And we are now live. I want to thank you all for tuning in to yet another episode of the Let's Talk series podcast hosted by yours truly, the coldest player in the game, Lord Iceman, one half of TK In-House Esports and Entertainment, LLC, based out of East Point, Georgia. I know it's been a while uh, since we've been around. And we apologize for that, man. We got a lot of these subjects that we want to bring forth and we're trying to uh, upgrade in our quality and things of that nature while also trying to bring people together so they can have a voice on this and all platforms that we service. Um, Tonight's discussion is more of a serious discussion. Uh, We are going to be conversing uh, about estate planning, uh, will generation, and splitting up assets and how to handle liabilities. Um, Obviously, we've been in this pandemic for uh, nearly three years, and many of us have lost uh, friends and loved ones uh, throughout this process. And one thing that I've learned uh, over the course of these uh, past few years is uh, in the matters of death, uh, conversation is very hard to have. Um, And a fair amount of people uh, don't seem to have uh, many things structured and in place uh, to handle uh, when that time comes. And that is what this discussion is going to be about, to educate you all on uh, how to mitigate these situations, uh, the things that you may need to have in order uh, to make that uh, transition, that process a bit easier for you. So without further ado, we're going to dive right into it. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for the time and opportunity to to talk about something like this because it's a it's a kind of topic that you can kind of prepare for, but even if you prepare for it, it's still difficult to process and it's a very difficult conversation to have, especially with your loved ones. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you setting this up and organizing this all together. Uh, for those of you who don't, who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Average Video Game Joe. I'm currently out here situated in California. Uh, it's about like 1.30 p.m. over here. And uh, for my situation, uh, you know, back in November 2020, my father had suddenly passed away. He was in his 70s, so, you know, in COVID environment, we were expecting at some point, this is all before we had the vaccines and everything, and uh, COVID-19, uh, you know, virus is still not really well understood, but that a vaccine was going to happen at some point, right? And uh, he passed away in the state of Mississippi. Uh, he, he, I'm the youngest of three siblings, and, uh, you know, my dad left behind a, a homemaker of, uh, of a spouse, my mom. Uh, she didn't really work around this time. And so she was, pri- she was primarily a, a, a homemaker. So uh, she just took care of the house. She didn't really work or anything of that sort. So that was the situation that uh, we were finding ourselves in. And most my family is located in the East Coast over yonder in Virginia. My mom and dad were living in Mississippi, and it was going to be hopefully his like last year uh, retiring. He worked as a faculty member uh, of a known of a very popular university down south in Mississippi. And so, uh, you know, I was the only person that was here in the West Coast. And unfortunately, I, I didn't have the opportunity like the rest of my family to see my my dad when he passed away, except for coming to the funeral. I never had an opportunity to see his face, unfortunately, and it, it kind of really sucked. And then, you know, me being the youngest, 
I had just started a, a full-time career over here on the West Coast, so trying to balance that, and I didn't really have any kind of contact or kind of uh, really frequent engagements with my with my family, except for my dad once in a while to check in. Um, the kind of work I was doing just necessitated a need for me to kind of minimize my contact with my folks who were, who were on the East Coast. And so that kind of, uh, I didn't have any agency even in uh, my pops uh, when they were tackling his medical uh, issues and stuff like that. All the doctors know that he was really healthy, otherwise speaking, but the, the COVID-19 got to his immune system then. What was kind of fucked up was that, uh, I don't know if we're a lot of cursing here, but I'll try to keep it minimal. What was kind of messed up was that, uh, you know, he had just his sisters, he had two of his sisters pass away just a couple months prior with the same respiratory organ failures uh, at, at their stomachs. And so, you know, my dad was really paranoid and he tried to play as safe as possible with the COVID-19 environment. He never really went out unless he was required to. Um, you know, whenever he did grocery shoppings, he would do like, uh, he, would, he would use his mask and stuff, right? So it, this was kind of a shock for us because uh, not that he got it necessarily, because we believe at some point he was going to get it. And in Mississippi, they weren't really taking a COVID-19 threat really seriously. Um, it was the speed and rate at which he got it, and then our inability to kind of process that uh, so soon. Um, he literally passed in one or two weeks' time. Uh, actually, a little bit less than that, but uh, you know, he tried to held out as long as he could, and then I definitely had an opportunity to attend his funeral literally three days after my employer allowed me to take some time off to go visit him and kind of reconnect with my family a little bit. But uh, as soon as that kind of situation happened, and I feel free to stop me if I need to stop at any point uh, for other folks to kind of talk, but um, after the funeral happened, you know, we had to start bringing up that conversation of, okay, well, we have to grieve. A lot of us have to grieve, but, you know, what, what did my, what are we supposed to do in terms of taking care of our mom, which was kind of the first priority, and how, and my brothers were immediately thinking about, okay, did my dad have a will? Because my dad talked to all of us at some point that he was making a will, that he was going to, you know, designate certain assets and things that he had. But that he, he kind of would tell people, like, he, he never really had anything. He was kind of poor. He didn't have anything to kind of let make his wealth, just kind of leave him alone. And so, uh, you know, going through all, dealing with all the people that's kind of getting their condolences and stuff, you know, the, my, my brothers were immediately thinking about, you know, my brothers are 10 years older than me. They're 15 years older than me. So they probably, one of my brothers had already experience with a family friend that they, he was really well close to of seeing the kind of the grieving process and the estate process and the will process after, but they, nobody really knew in our family what did my dad actually do. And so the first immediate thing was to try to see if we could find a will uh, at some point uh, while we're still trying to grieve and reconnect. And it's kind of difficult for someone like me because I didn't really want to speak to any of my family. I was not really on close terms with them except for my pops. So I didn't really care too much because I, I thought the first priority was just to make sure we had time to grieve. But that's the situation we found ourselves in. We ended up finding a very old version of the will that was handwritten. And we ended up discovering that our dad never properly went through the legal system uh, to get an estate plan. And so this usually means that, uh, you know, we had only like a handwritten will to go with. And every state is different when it comes to treating that stuff. But that is a situation we found ourselves in. Thankfully, it was just a one-page will. But, uh, you know, that was the situation we started finding ourselves in. 
Uh, and that's that's kind of my story of, of how we started out um, with our situation. Is there is there anything else I need to cover, Axel, before I move on? Uh, relationships uh, over the years, um, and you know, death is a, a very real thing in in everyone's life. But when you're young and you're traveling and and you're, you're gaming and you're doing music and all the things that you're doing while you're young. Um, it's not something unless you are are faced with it on a day to day basis, um, interacting with it on a day to day basis that you often take seriously. And uh, during my time within the fighting game community, uh, we've lost quite a, a few uh, people. Um, and I know the the three that hit hardest um were mummy b uh because uh mummy b was sort of like an og for us he came up uh in the era with larry and scott popular and those guys and i didn't even know that mummy b's like purpose of moving out to hawaii was because he had uh a disease that he wasn't going to recover from. Um, and he chose that path. He chose to go there uh, to live out the rest of his life and um, possibly lay to rest. Uh, years later, uh, lost one of my closest friends and uh, Richard Warren, uh, known to the community as Wing Zero. Um, Wing Zero was uh, improving his life in so many different ways, getting his college degree, um, he was losing weight and had already lost a massive amount of weight, um, being a heavier person for the majority of his life. Uh, he was sitting down, uh, with his mother in the kitchen at one point. Um, and to my understanding, he stood up and collapsed, um, and he was gone from us. Um, uh, and then, uh, after that most recent, um, during the uh, pandemic and everything like that, we lost uh, Mick Yarbrough. Uh, and we don't know. Now, his his situation is different um, because it it is possibility of murder attached to his. But with all of those, um, we've had to converse about death. And with at least one or two of those, we had to be very hands-on in regards to laying uh, our friends and associates uh, to rest. And with Richard not even being 26 years old yet, it was a very hard thing uh, to go through because um, financially, you know, you just kind of getting your, your life started. You're not even concerned about, you know, having uh, uh, life insurance or, or setting aside any money uh, uh, for to pay for your own casket and things of that nature. And those are the issues that we actually ran into in regards to uh, attempting to lay Richard to rest. Um, we ended up uh, doing a, a few things. We ended up having a, a tournament thanks to the Dixon family. Uh, they collaborated with myself uh, and Carmela, uh, and we put together uh, an event and live streamed it. Uh, 
and we held a tournament in order to uh, uh, raise money to aid uh, uh, Rich's mother in laying him to rest. And it was probably the realest thing uh, that had transpired at that time for me, but I had been through other things prior to that. Um, and I felt like, man, the people around me, like I knew how to maneuver uh, in this situation, but the people are not really privy to the information and you, and as Joe mentioned in his situation, you're, you're going through the process of grieving and whatnot, and you don't really want to challenge people and you don't want to uh, tell people that they're wrong or whatnot. You just want to do what you can to provide proper information uh, to, to ensure uh, that you can take care of your loved one as best as humanly possible. Um, most recently, uh, even after Mick, uh, I lost my mother a few days after Christmas, which was December 28th, uh, 2021. So when it came to my mother, though, I was a bit prepared in the sense that I knew my mother was going into her 70s. My mother was 72 and she passed. Um, and I have thought about it over the years, like, hey, if if I get that call or whatnot, what, what am I going to do? Uh, but I just wanted to I wanted to make sure that we had this conversation, that we had this this show uh, for many of you people out there who who realize how real this is and how real this can be for you and your situation. And we want to do what we could uh, to put information out there that may be able to help guide you into uh, getting things done in a more uh, efficient and non-selfish way. Uh, for those that you love when the time comes. Um, so I wanted to bring to the platform uh, my OGs, you know what I'm saying, I met in the gaming community known as Lord Hollow, but this is uh, Kevin Hicks. Now he's going to introduce himself. He's going to let you know uh, what it is that he does uh, concerning this. Uh, something to kind of add to that, uh, to some of the insights is that, I mean, when I had, when we had all ended up finding uh, the handwritten copy of my dad's will, we ended up all reading it, and the kind of thing that shocked everybody, myself, myself included, was that. Hey, nope. um, Kevin said, "Never mind." So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and mute myself. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You finish, I gonna, please. I was gonna say, uh, I'll, I'll finish this one, and then uh, I'll, I'll get back to you. Um, you know, on the wood said. He, my dad didn't list it specifically. Thankfully, the handwriting was legible enough. Uh, said that my that my my me averaging Joe, not actually that name, but my real name, uh, was responsible for just taking care of all the assets that's on this on this like handwritten copy of this will that I had to basically be the executor and stuff like that. And so that shocked my whole family, and especially my two brothers, who they felt kind of slighted for my father they're like well why because their immediate reaction was why did they give why did our dad give joe the youngest the youngest son this responsibility because he doesn't know shit about the legal world doesn't know shit compared to us hmm. you know uh, my, my, so so it kind of it kind of it kind of ruffles some feathers and uh you know when and it is not a privilege to be 
consider to be responsible for for someone's estate. It is it is a burden. It is it is a complete burden when you're yeah. when you're faced with that because it's not just about the money. It's about dealing with egos too, which a lot of people don't get prepared for. I think uh, you know. So yeah. Anyways, uh, back to you, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's um, it's 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 a responsibility. It's responsibility, and it's it's scary for some people, especially during a uh, a time of of mourning. Um, one of the main things about uh, estate planning and and having a will in place is that you have a lot of things that are on autopilot. You have a lot of things that you don't have to think about. And during that time, you really don't want to think about anything. And what I tell my clients is the more you think about it before you leave, the less your family has to when you're gone. And that's powerful for a lot of people because nobody wants to think about it. Nobody wants to think about, okay, what happens after I die? But we're all going to go there. We're all going to die. So you have to plan for that, especially if you have people depending on you. If you have a family, you have a wife, you have kids. There have been too many instances in my family where somebody dies and, you know, you, you'll have someone bring a casserole and leave with jewelry. And people are devious. People are devious. People that you that you look at and you see them as family, they will take you for everything you got during that time frame, during that time of mourning, because they're going to remember something that your family, that that family member had that they liked, that they wanted, and they're going to go to the house and they're going to get it. With estate planning, you can you can give that stuff to who you want to have it that's the most important thing your belongings go to where you want them to go and that includes uh items that that includes property um it, of course include money you want to think about all of that and the best way to do that is to speak with a lawyer Speak with somebody that that can set up an estate. Some some people that can that can help you with that because they're gonna think of things that you didn't even think that you didn't even know you had. A lot of people say, "Oh, I don't need it because I'm broke." Nah, you got more than you believe. You got more than you want to believe, and all that stuff has to be protected. The best way to do that is through a will or a trust. Um, so yeah, like, uh, I think, uh, normally one of the big questions that come up, um, and maybe I'll like, kind of like edit this later, uh, uh, Kevin would be what exactly is a will and what, what, what can you put in it? We're just going to go with the straight definition. Cause I don't want to add anything else. I don't want to add my opinion on, on things like this. A legal declaration of a person's wishes regarding the disposal of his or her property or estate after death. So basically where you want your stuff to go after you die. 
It's it's very simple. And a lot of times it can be contested, but often it isn't because you know you you're basically telling your family who has dibs. <laughs> so yeah, if you want somebody to have something in particular, money, property, even a car, something like that, by all means. Yeah. Now now can you can you elaborate on how important uh life insurance can be to situations surrounding uh uh the death of someone and the family taking care of those things through uh the life insurance the main thing with life insurance is if you have dependents the the main purpose of life insurance a lot of people don't understand this is to replace your income plain and simple ideally you want to have eight to ten times your uh your annual income and that is used to supplement your income because your bills are still coming in your family still needs to be taken care of. If you're like a single parent, um, you want to think about who would take take your children in and they're gonna need money also. So the life insurance kind of works in tandem with the will uh, based, based on your need, based on what you want, how you want your family to proceed in the event of your death. And it's it's a huge, huge responsibility. And you don't want to leave that to to chance. You you definitely don't want to assume that people will have you and your children's best interests at heart. Yeah, that's something you really want to sit down, like whoever will take your kids in, you want to sit down and you know make sure they will. Don't assume anything when it comes to you, because you're gone. You're gone. And whatever you decide or don't decide. Your family will either suffer or benefit from your planning or lack thereof. Hey, may I add a may I add a comment to that too? Sure. Because I think I have some insights for this one. Uh, Kevin, I I really appreciate my 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 dad because he somewhat thought ahead because a uh, mm -hmm. couple of many years back and forth, like he would kind of briefly mention to me at some point that oh you know you're gonna you're gonna take care of my shit when I when I when I pass away. At some mm -hmm. point, gonna, here's a couple. Just remember this. And I was like, okay, I never really paid too much attention to it. And the number one concern I had when I saw that executor role he assigned to me was that how how the fuck am I gonna afford this? Because I'm out, I'm out here living in California. I have a mom, I have a mother that doesn't work. I have a couple of siblings whose intentions I don't really know. And then you know we had this funeral costs, we had these medical costs. Um, mm -hmm. and then we have to hire a potential lawyer if my dad, if at the time, I didn't know if my dad ever hired a lawyer, but, you know, I had to think about the possibility of dealing with the lawyer. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to afford this because it was just expensive even to flying there. But then we ended up finding out that my dad actually had life insurance, uh, in the range of, uh, the, the, the value of it, uh, that he had paid. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was the equivalent of 70000 to a hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. And the way he distributed that was he actually put the beneficiaries as only myself and my mother. My mother receiving, uh, I think, um, 
I don't know if it was a 50-50 split, but I got about 20000 or 40000 mm-hmm. And later on, I realized it was with the assumption that he didn't want I, – I, I made the assumption that he gave me that specifically to take care of all the post-death affairs, that that would yes. be enough money to take care of the, the funeral costs, potentially mm-hmm. the medical costs, but also potentially maybe the estate costs. I don't think I don't think he realized how hard it would be to just go through a non-legal process. But he really he had that life insurance specifically. I know he dedicated that much for me. And thankfully, my brothers were smart enough to realize that oh, you should probably use this to cover the cost. That means nobody else has to actually pay out of their pocket to mm-hmm. to do that. So though I believe that's what my dad used his life insurance for to prepare for this exact scenario. Because um, it turns out eventually later on, we found out he had he had left quite a lot of other stuff to my mom. He had, he ended up being able to uh, ensure that a lot of this stuff is given to my mom so that she doesn't have to worry about getting like a full time job and working. Um, you know, so it actually ended up doing me a favor that he did that because uh, our brothers, uh, my brothers and I, started understanding that you know what, my dad wanted to ensure. He made the assumption that the rest of us would have like full-time careers that we would be okay on our own, but that mm-hmm. somebody had to come take care of our mom, at least help our mom out starting out after he, right. after he passed away, right? So something I just wanted to offer um, how, how life insurance is so life-saving, literally life-saving for me uh, in yeah. my situation. That's good. A lot of times, Joe, you you're, you and your family are, are blessed because a lot of times either the family doesn't know that there's life insurance in place or worse yet, they know and they can't find the policy. So that happens way more than you think. Uh, Travis, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you'd like to speak, go ahead. I, I would love to chat about the journey my wife and I are going through uh, in respect to getting a trust going right now. Understood, understood. I got a couple of questions for you, Joe, but I'm going to let Travis step up since he's pulled over on the side of the road. So we'll want to get him a chance to speak but i do have a couple of questions in regards to uh the outcome um of your family situation moving forward joe but travis you have the floor learning about a will and a trust and just like kevin said the will is it's very direct um it takes everything that you've got and it distributes it the way that you want it distributed which is wonderful um the biggest question that I the biggest question I had with our attorney about a will is what do we do in ten years if we've acquired more properties, if we have more assets, if we had kids, what do we do when the will doesn't include them right now? And so she was explaining to us the difference between a will and a trust and how the trust would make things a little bit easier um, as far as in transferring whenever we need to add kids, whenever we need to adjust where properties are going, when we need to adjust when other, where other assets are going, uh, that the trust itself would make it a lot easier because you, you're putting things into the trust and then the trust will execute uh, based on the, the code words delivered, uh, mainly death, et cetera. Um, what I really appreciate with that is that the trust allows you a lot of forward planning, uh, whereas the will is very, very good, but it, it may not be the best tool if you have a lot of things in the future that you plan to do, because then you have to, you have the possibility that you may have to rewrite the will. So 
uh, that is the reason that we're getting the trust. And so that way we have a little bit more flexibility and room to where we can put new things in and adjust them quickly and also have everything be very easy to execute uh, once something happens because the trust could also have, well, when our kids turn 18, they get this. It doesn't always have to be when I kick the bucket. And so uh, that's something that we're taking care of right now. I, I will definitely say this. Our attorney was, has been wonderful and made us realize that you don't have to be billionaires or really, really wealthy for it. can really be a great tool to organize things, get everything in order, and just allow you the ability to change as you get things or as life changes to be able to quickly adapt. And so I think that adaptation makes it a very, very valuable tool. And so uh, I want to give the floor back to Kevin because I, I know he was talking about that earlier, and I would love for him to discuss both a will and a trust more with us. Yeah, I agree with that, man. The the, the beautiful thing about it is no, none of these uh, none of these uh, avenues that we're using are one size fits all. So you you really want to uh, circumstances permitting to have both. Have both, because like you say, the trust is uh, is is more uh, more flexible. You get gives you more elbow room. You can change things. Uh, the will is kind of more concrete. You can also change it, but it's it's a few extra steps. But yeah, it's important to uh, if your circumstances deem it necessary to have both, have will and a trust. I mean, why not? Why not? Um, and I'm sorry, would you want me to expand on? Uh, I would love for you to give examples of, especially a trust. Like, say if you have, say if you have a family that may be taking care of aging parents, so you may be acquiring things yourself, and mm -hmm. so you're going to get property and you're going to get assets uh, in a very short period of time. And so, uh, what the, our plan is with the trust is we add those to the trust, so then we can figure out distribution later but we don't have to really worry so much about having to deal with it ourselves at the time being. We just, you know, we sign it in the trust and then we keep it moving and we can, we can get things, get everything else ironed out uh, later on when we have a little bit more time. Yeah. yeah. You are essentially, um, you're essentially making a list of your assets uh, to, to distribute them later that's good it's like uh it's like when you make a a um a grocery list you're not gonna remember everything that you that you want to get when you're there but if you write it down a week prior before you go when you get there it's all listed there for you to to remember and then distribute so yeah that's um you want to and again, that's just one less thing you have to worry about when you get when you cross that bridge. Um, they say they say the the dullest pencil remembers more than the sharpest mind. That's that's what comes to mind here because we're not going to remember all of that in our moments of crisis. We're not gonna we're not gonna have all of our assets in our head. So. Writing things down, especially your assets, is is very powerful, and it's it's one less thing you have to uh, to think about uh, when that situation arises, uh, whether it's death or just distributing the property just 
however you see fit or whenever you see fit. So Travis, you, you guys are doing great, man. You guys are doing great. And I, and I love to hear it. I love to hear it. We don't, we don't hear it enough from our people. And when I say people, yeah. I mean, blacks we, and we, family yep. near us, neighborhood. We don't, we don't hear it enough. Yeah, that's a big thing for, uh, for me. Okay. The profession that I'm in, the profession that I'm in, I, like, I've been in the gaming community for, Jesus, Ice, like three, three decades now, at least. And now I'm in a situation where I'm in a profession that allows me to help the, the people that I have given gaming advice to for, for years. You know, and and I still have their ear, so it's a blessing for me to be able to go from a gaming coach guru. I'm I'm the sage of Michigan, basically, and it's it's a blessing for me to be able to turn that around and say, hey, this is another area that I can help you in. Especially the, the the gamers out there that have that have kids, and we're growing up now. We married. We we got married. We married with kids. Some of us are grandparents, and I'm in a position where, regardless of your status in life, I'm able to come in, sit down with you, and and just and just bless a person, and that's that's powerful for me. That's it's and it's a and it's such an easy transition from people that listen to me give them gaming advice anyway. So I was I was built for this profession. I love it. It's just a lot of fun. I was gonna uh respond to Shine. I don't think one trumps the other in regards to uh will and trust. Um I I do think it's a it's a person to person or family to family situation. Um because you're obviously going to run into situations where you're going to have people who have more money than others. They may have more land than others. Um, they may have even had the ability to set aside things around the home and stuff like that um, more than others, or, or at least have people in the family that care more about uh, things that a loved one may have. Um, and they want to to leave it to them, and it can be anywhere from my brother Zero. His mom has a, a, a whole room dedicated to Prince in her house. So in that room is Prince's room, literally. So she's got a couch in there, got a TV in there for him, and everything. Got his portraits and stuff all over the wall. Uh, actual records, the whole nine yards. It's Prince. The nice. so you know who who in the family she may want to leave that to that that has that same or similar interest or 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 desire for Prince's music and things of that nature, you know what I'm saying? And versus like, okay, I'm gonna leave my son the house, physically the house, because he has a daughter or two or whatnot. Um, then my daughter, you know, I might leave her you know, a vehicle or something like that, or uh, extra, it's, it's, I think it's a, a case by case uh, scenario. I don't think that, you know, f there will be a blanket 
uh, there will be a blanket thing where I say, hey, Trav, you got to have a trust because, you know, uh, you have these things, blah, blah, blah. I think it is once you educate yourself a bit more, um, it's all about what best suits you uh, and your family that's involved. I wish uh, I wish that uh, I was able to get a bit more of a head start on this uh, in my lifespan, especially being a guy that grew up in the streets and whatnot. But at the same time, I tell people closer to me, I didn't think I would even make it to being 40 years old uh, in August. So for a long while, these things were not even concerning. Like I've had uh, jobs with Fortune 500 companies in the past and 401k was not something that they talked about a lot. Life insurance and things of that nature was not something that they were talked about a lot that at, at that early age, you just looked at it as, oh, man, they're taking too much out my my check. I don't want to sign up for none of that. Not having anybody to to, to sit down and walk you through uh, the level of importance um, this could be to you and yours and me having a child now. And even then, uh, when my, my first child passed away, literally having to pay for that out of pocket um, because I wasn't aware. Uh, I didn't know what to do and everything like that. So by this time, uh, when I was telling you all the story of my situation with my mother, it was even harder because I can I can sympathize with Joe and what he was going through. He has, you know, what I'm saying two other siblings or whatnot, but it was still just as hard um, when I just had my one. And there there. It was it wasn't even just like just the 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 situation at hand also it was more or less like the family drama and what what minimal amount it was for 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 me at first and then it all came to a head when when things started to hit the fan where I had to move and make things happen for my mom and all of that stuff started to resurface like uh, uh, you know, just 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 things that weren't dead, just just cans of worms opening up here and there and everything like that. And before I knew it, even when everything was taken care of, I never had any time to grieve. And mm. I I realized just like when my my first daughter passed, I went through the same exact thing. I had to maneuver everything, whether you want to call it, you know, being the man, as the society says and whatnot. Um, I never got to really sat down and take a breather. I never got to if I wanted to cry, cry. You know, I had to move everything. And I have an 11 year old. So I also didn't want my child to see me weathering like that either. But she was completely aware of what was going on around me, you know. Um, but, uh, having this older sister that I don't really communicate with and everything like that, and then her come around and, uh, now some of my friends that are in here, they already know this, but my sister is, you know, 11 years, my senior, uh, she has three daughters. Uh, my, uh, youngest niece is only about two years older than my daughter. Uh, my other nieces are all grown. They're all above 19 years old. Um, but my sister was not prepared for this. Not only, you know, emotionally, but not financially either. Um, mm -hmm. 
But my sister wanted to make all the decisions. She wanted what she wanted in the obituary. Uh, 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 when when we were told when we were told uh, I wanted to run an autopsy and I, um, and I wanted to find out how my mother passed. Um, and and in light of you know COVID and things of that nature, my mom, man, I'm gonna tell y'all, my mom was all about home remedies and stuff like that. My mom would would if she got to chew garlic. You know what I'm saying? To keep the vampires away, she's going to do so. She got to put egg in her hair to get the, the dangerous out. She's going to do all of that stuff. So I was highly concerned in regards to her passing. And they said that she had a, a progressive disease. And they they But the problem was for me was they gave the information to my sister. And I had to get it secondhand while I wanted to be more direct with it. You know, I wanted to get everything because if it was something that could be uh, uh uh, consistent within our family is something I need to know because it's something that I would need to put in my will and testament, you know, in regards to leaving things for my child and also making my child aware in whomever it is that I'm with, you know what I'm saying, when I leave my child behind. Um, so, you know, getting to a little bit of the drama aspect of it, it was hard, man, going to, uh, uh, going to try to go view her body and everything like that. Um, and meeting my sister there who I hadn't seen in years, uh, and, and had heard through phone conversations and all that kind of stuff, her demanding things or whatever, while also this person not having the financial ability to make anything happen. And I was like, <laughs> I had to weed through that and be strong enough to not blow up on her, you know? Um, but uh, I was not able to to layer the rest. I had to, uh, we had to get uh, her cremated because she had decomposed uh, too much in her uh, location where she was. Um, so I took care of that. I purchased the urn. Um, I made a, uh, a shrine for her uh, in my home uh with uh photographs and things of that nature a lot of her stuff that she had bible verses and things of that nature um i have that set up the section in my home and everything like that um i got to a point where not only did i pull the man card i just pulled the this is what the hell is going to go down card moving forward because i don't want to be at your neck about this but also i realized you had 30 years to reconcile whatever issues you and our mother had, and you chose not to. And now you want to be hands-on and everything, and I don't want to prevent you from doing that. But at the same time, we have our issues as brother and sister that we're not working, and you're going to avoid them to the end of time, but you're not helping the situation in any way other than, you know, trying to be, I guess, the big sister, the mother figure or whatever, and I don't need you to be. I already set the money aside for mom to make sure mom is good and blah, blah, blah. Wish you would have done the same, but since you didn't, I'll take care of this. I'll work with you on, on a few things here and there. I actually used my middle niece, uh, Kiara, uh, to funnel the information. It got to a point that I couldn't even talk to my sister directly. Um, as Kevin knows, Despite me having the money and everything set up, my sister wanted to do a uh, GoFundMe. Um, and <laughs> she, she called me out of the blue and was like, hey, uh, yeah, you know, uh, 
we wanted to get this information to people back home in Pennsylvania and everything like that. You know, what do you think is the best way to do that? And I was like, well, we talked directly to the people that she loved. Um, I have uh, a notary here, you know what I'm saying? So if we need some things sealed and stuff like that, we can do that. Um, because of the business that I run, I got a crap ton of stamps at the house that we don't do anything with. Um, so I can type up something, you know, saying via letterhead and everything like that. All I need for you to do is, is cause my sister had an ear to the streets in regards to, uh, some of the people back home and whatnot, aunties, cousins and stuff like that. Just get me addresses and whatnot. You know, we can come together on what, what needs to be said or whatnot. And we send it out. Um, she was okay with all of that. And you know how people will, will yeah, 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 you to death. And then they'll, they'll wait for that one good time to be like, but that's exactly what happened. She was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she was like, but how about we do like a, a GoFundMe and everything like that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was against it. I was like, no, we don't need to do that. Um, I was like, because we're good. You know what I'm saying? Like financially, when we really need it, we're, we're doing this more or less so, so the people that she loved and loved her will be aware of her passing and if they want to be in the, in attendance and and give their condolences if they want to uh uh say a few words or whatever the case may be we give them the ability the platform to do so i was like okay well you know what after speaking i was like you know what fuck it i i, I we could do that because on the gofundme they can post comments and stuff like that and then we can take those um and uh i'll take those and whatnot i'll put them up onto my website because you know, i'm going to have a memory section for mom on the website and everything like that. And they could post the comments there and blah, blah, blah. Um, she was like, okay, cool. So I create the GoFundMe within four hours of our conversation. The very next day I send her the link and everything like that. And I'm like, okay, so, um, uh, we're going to need, uh, like an email address and everything like that. So people will be able to send, you know what I'm saying? These things that you may want to add to the obituary and blah, blah, blah. And she called herself getting mad. Oh no, I, I don't want my name attached on there. I don't want it associated there and blah 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 blah. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was like, you just called me with this idea to do this. And then it was all about her embarrassment. It was all about her not oh well, I don't want to make it look like, you know what I'm saying, mom needed this and blah blah blah. And that was when the court popped off the wine. I got to the point where I was like, well, I told you mom didn't need this because I took care of it. We were good. I didn't even need your suggestion, but this was me extending the olive branch to you to work together with you. You know what I'm saying? Because this is something that you wanted and now you want to back out and make it seem like I said, all right, you know what? Fuck it. I tried. You know what I'm saying? I'm done. I washed my hands with you. This is what we're going to do. And I had all of these things listed. And I told her the 10 things. I told her, don't interrupt me. This is what we're going to do. I'm done. I ended the conversation. Uh, my niece, Kiara, who's my middle, my second niece, she, you know, tried to mend broken fences and everything like that. Uh, she's closer to, to me in terms of having the business savvy, in terms of her being in the middle of her, her sisters and having to be the one to, like, like, keep them in order and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? And then she also had to, like, challenge them. Like, she had to 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 fight to be better than the oldest but then she also had to set an example for her youngest you know or her uh before youngest uh in kimani you know what i'm saying so we think similar you know even though we don't even know each other that well and we talked via text and whatnot and i just told her some information here and there she gave me some information that her mom 
you know, gave to her or whatever, you know, push and pull here and there. But, you know, I just said, okay, to, to what I felt uh, were things that I couldn't handle. Um, and I'm sure there's people out there that have had similar uh, situations, but I do suggest by having, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, these conversations and being able to use my testimony, my testimony as, as something that you may have gone, gone through or may have heard someone go through, you know, don't shy away from it. Try your best to, to, to have this uncomfortable yep. conversation with your parents, um, who I'm pretty sure you're going to find out your parents don't expect to outlive you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. have the have the conversation with them, like, hey, mom, hi, hey, dad, uh, what do you have in place uh, in 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 terms of your passing? Like, what's going to happen? You know what I'm saying? What's going to happen to the house, the cars, all the stuff that's in here? Do you have any of that in place? And you can hopefully open up the dialogue that if there is nothing in place that you can aid them in putting something uh uh in place Mm -hmm. um joe i wanted to ask you so and and that goes into the question i wanted to ask joe now that you know you have been able to work uh things out uh in regards to your father you were able to to get uh things taken care of in regards to laying your father to rest and everything like that moving forward with with your mom how has things worked out with finalizing the things that your your dad left to her for her, but also what has your mom done in regards to her situation? Like if yeah. and when her time comes. So uh, I'm glad I brought that up because uh, I'm at a point now where I just started submitting the closing petition to close our estate. So we went through the probate process. We ended up getting just, you know, unified enough to get joiners signed by everyone because when, when you don't have an estate plan and all that stuff and you only have a what's called a holographic will it's not a handwritten it's not a tight will that has notaries or witnesses or anything but you just have a handwritten will like my dad had you know there's a lot of there's a lot of tedious steps that you had to do with and you have to pray and pray to god that your family your immediate family not your relatives but your immediate family is going to play ball with you and not hire their own lawyers to make claims against the estate or to claim uh, make claims and all that good stuff. Uh, you know, so I went through all these troublesome processes, and now, you know, this is like what is it, November 2020, all that stuff happened. I'm in, I'm in, I'm practically going to get to year two in a bit, but uh, I just now submitted the closing petition, and hopefully I uh, get to, you know, tear, tear up some loose ends. And so I have successfully, uh, with all the, Stuff that we transferred real estate property uh, in other states that we had to take care of and get that shit probated, which is a whole different can of worms, by the way. Um, you know, we got vehicle stuff transferred, house rights transferred, financial, a lot of important financial accounts from my dad's employers, including retirement accounts transferred. Um, the only trouble that I had up to this point was um, my dad had like a business on the side. It was like a consulting company, but we believed he used it as like a tax shelter. And so there wasn't any money being made there. So like we, well, we ended up closing the accounts there, closing that business, like legally speaking, uh, to get all that document paperwork set up because nobody wanted to take over, take over that. Cause like it was just a tax shelter at that point. It wasn't making money. 
Um, so we, we made a lot of fun. We did a lot of fucking work, man. Actually, I did a lot of fucking work along with my mom because most of the beneficiaries was, as far as the will was concerned, was and, and the assets was related to my mom anyway. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're at that point, and then through these conversations, through the challenges that my mom has observed, you know, we all, you know, sat down, my brothers and I sat down with her, one by one individually, not together, but we sat down with her to try to talk to her and, and let her know, like, hey, at some point, you know, if this is COVID-19, there's no guarantee that you're going to be safe and surviving during the, uh, during the pandemic, even if you get vaccinations. You need to do this, these steps properly so that your sons don't have to suffer like, 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 like we've had, like I've had to suffer the first time running through the show because she knows that uh, our relationships with each other was like, are not in good terms for various reasons. Uh, we, none of us really speak to each other in terms of our siblings and, and we all have different reasons for doing that. And so she wanted it. She wanted to have a game plan set to where, you know, the siblings don't have to fight and, but, uh, don't have to be forced to be interacting with each other too much. Like we've had to be during this process. And, uh, she went with a pro bono lawyer through, uh, my dad's university that they recommended. They had a special program for low income, poor income, like no, someone that's not working, like someone of her socioeconomic status at that, at that point, uh, to get pro bono estate planning set up, including, including what to do with her medically if she were ever to be in a hospital and she's not in a situ she's not in a uh, physical condition where she can make a decision for herself to either end her life or minimize her suffering or whatever. So she's ended up going ahead and getting her estate planned out. Uh, but she just decided to do a will. She's not going to do a trust or anything. Uh, she doesn't believe she has enough worthy assets to justify having a trust. And she doesn't want to go through the hassle of us dealing with a law firm or dealing with the courts as much. She'd rather just we all like settle it with the comp appropriate companies accordingly and, and just do it, do it that way. So she has also decided to put me as an executor because I have the most experience at this point. And uh, she has also made it to where she is going to compensate me. I'm not getting compensated right now for my dad's estate stuff. I'm doing it basically for free. And another thing that they don't tell you about is when you become an executor, whether it's your relatives or your siblings, there's a lot of opportunity for them to, to gaslight you. They can look for any excuses, even the tiniest spelling mistake on the form to really go ham on you and question your credibility and your authority uh, on that stuff. So just that, that, that's something to keep in mind, too, uh, on that one, uh, just on the side. But, yeah, so that, my mom has done it properly to where she now has proper court records. She has proper documents with the law firm she went with to do the pro bono work where her estate documents is good for seven years. So it's like, yeah, if she passes away, something happens to her, I just talk to the lawyer and then they'll do, they'll get the groundwork started and making sure we have a smooth transition compared to what I had to deal with, including not dealing with joiners. I, I think Kevin, I don't know, Kevin, you can provide insight on that, but it's really, really stressful trying to deal with joiners, especially when everybody is in different states and you have the estate running in one state. Um, you know, here in California, I got to pay for notaries. In Virginia, where most of my family lives, they don't have to pay for notaries. They get their notaries for free. Uh, Mississippi, you do your notaries for free. I, I got to pay for my notaries, and I got to pay for delivering, shipping, and original documentations. And they don't, they don't tell you about all the, the hidden costs of having to run the estate that way. But hopefully that gives you some insight, uh, uh, Iceman, because uh, basically my mom has done it properly. She's, she went ahead and took care of it properly. 
But she's planning to move to another state soon because she doesn't want to live in uh, Mississippi anymore. She has no family here. She has family in Virginia. All her relatives and her, her siblings are over there. So, you know, she's going to have to update that her will, her uh, estate, you know, information and assets and existing documentation and all that stuff when she moves to Virginia because she's no longer going to have the house, for example, in Mississippi. She's going to sell it off and get a, get a new house, right? So, and she and she she and I agreed that at some point we're gonna I'm gonna talk to her again in the future when all this stuff is said and done, when I've had time to properly grieve. Like I never even had a chance to visit my father's grave. Everyone else has had the luxury to visit his grave. I've never even had the opportunity to because I'm so far away from here, right? But mm. uh, at some point, yeah. But at some point, we're gonna have that conversation. But she she has done it properly, thank God. Like she she did not even want to wait because the other concern we had uh, was that. She didn't want the courts holding any of her finances that she inherited hostage. She didn't want, we all wanted to avoid the possibility of the courts or the law firms who was representing the estate to do inventory. We don't want to do it. We didn't want to do any of the hassle. We all wanted to make our lives as easy as possible. Even though one of us didn't want to be at all involved with the, with the estate, they were forced to be involved because they were a surviving inheritor as far as the legal laws is concerned. So they had to at least do joiners, right? So we're trying to, we learned a lot of, we learned a lot of lessons along the way of how to mitigate this. And just like Kevin said, if you could just take care of this shit ahead of time, you're the rest of your family that survives does not have to think about this shit at all. And I've been thinking a lot. I've been having to think and process and grow up very, very, very fast and quickly. So we decided not to take any chances and just get her stuff taken care of while we were also taking care of uh, my dad's process. So mm-hmm. you let me know if you have any other questions. I'm, my question is, so no cage fight between you and the brothers, you know what I'm saying, for the estate is uh, in the will. No cage fight? So initially we had a quick conversation early on. You know, when they found out I was in Zeta, I said, listen, at the end of the day, we look at the will. We, we all, we all worked, we all looked together at the will. We all understood most of what was going to my mom, who was not working. And I tried to build enough rapport to say, hey, I already know you guys are selfish. I'm selfish too. I, I'm not ready to be ha- having to be a caretaker uh, to, to, to my mom who is a post-breast cancer survivor. She sometimes limps a little bit too. Like, like it, it is already extremely financially stressful for me to even be an executor and having to pay all the time and stress and energy and all that stuff doing this. So, so we all agreed on principle, okay, we're going to play nice with each other for the most part as long as reasonably possible uh, on for the betterment of our mom so that our mom's taken care of. So that, that kind of that kind of was okay for a while. But then, you know, the brothers, I come from a brown culture, from a South Asian culture, where the eldest is always expected to be respected. Let me repeat that again. The eldest is always expected to be respected, right? So that's kind of a tongue twister. And the times that I had ideas of how to execute certain processes, certain tasks, certain organizations, you know, I I wanted to ensure everything was documented uh, so that, you know, I could kind of... Uh, you know, I have like insurance policies because there was two assets uh, that was listed in my dad's will that one of my brothers had kind of was really interested in uh, because 
it, my dad did not clearly identify who was supposed to inherit that asset. And so we ended up getting in writing. I get, ended up getting in writing that, hey, you know what? No matter what you, you think about this, we're going to give it to our mom and let our mom take care of all the proceeds and all that stuff. Just give it to her because she needs it more than either of us. Like, because we at least are all working, right? Um, but I think the fight, the one fight started when my brother, one of my eldest brothers was living in a real estate property that we knew we had to get rid of because my dad had a mortgage uh, in the East Coast there. And nobody wanted to be on the hook for any of the debts or liabilities. But like I said, I had issues with all, both of my siblings. And for the longest time, my, my eldest sibling was living there where he was not paying even rent. He was not paying rent. He was basically living there for free, not paying any utilities. And my dad was, was, was basically funding that house as a family house for him to eventually retire to. But he, for reasons uh, that I don't want to get too, too personal details on, uh, he ended up having my brother stay there for, for a, a, a predetermined amount of time. It wasn't meant to be permanent or anything of that sort, but when he passed away, it introduced some complexities. And so I had to be the, you know, I had to end up being a landlord at one point uh, in, in this process where I had to have a formalized rental agreement with that, with that sibling with the understanding that he was going to get kicked out at some point so that we could get rid of this property because although the property was valuable, the mortgage was not. And so we ended up having to have a group call where my, my brothers, like both of my brothers, you started really seeing the anger, the intensity as far as them critiquing each other, criticizing each other. And it basically almost broke the family at, at that point because uh, there, there was a lot of skeletons coming out. And then at one point, my my middle brother told me was saying a lot of uh, you know really really awful, really really awful stuff to me, me being the youngest, because a lot of stuff came out in terms of resentment of how both of my brothers kind of resented me because I had kind of an easier childhood compared to them. As in, my parents were much more nicer to me. They treated me as the youngest better than the middle and the eldest. And so you you could see all the resentment coming out. And so. At one point, it did it did split up. It did break apart, and then my middle brother decided, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with you, motherfuckers. I'm a millionaire. I, 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 my, my dad, our dad didn't give me shit. Why the fuck am I having to talk with you guys? You know, you guys figure it out. Don't ever reach out to me about this stuff ever, ever again, like unless unless it requires different legal stuff, right? And so, up to this point, I've had no contact since that incident with the rental agreement conversations. With my middle brother, I've had to always talk to him through a lawyer. I've never, the, the last time I tried to talk to him was, I told him, hey, you know, I just signed up with a lawyer to do this estate stuff. You got some forms here, just let me know if there's any issues. You got to sign it. It's a joiner form. It's to basically say that you got notice that this is happening and that you approve of a probate being open for, for this will. Uh, and that you recognize the will and all that stuff. As you agreed to in writing before, there is a mistake on his name. Because I asked in, in the email when I sent it to him, hey, you know, let me know if there's any spelling issues or anything because I'm here in the West Coast. I'm working like nine to five. I don't have time to look at this, but when I have time, I'll, I'll look at the secondary. But just want to give you these forms ahead of time. Oh, my gosh. I wish I could show you guys the emails. I still have a copy of that email. This man was throwing such a baby tantrum on email 
even questioning my ethics, my job, telling me to do my damn job as the quote executor, saying that you don't know shit about shit. It was like really bad because I could clearly tell he's using anything he can to gaslight me and make me seem, make me be like, make, make me look like I'm some sort of piece of shit. Try to get this stuff organized and together. And that's, that's the point where I was like, you know what? He is the reason why part of my estate got delayed because he refused to sign a joiner at one point until our firm and myself politely informed him in writing that if you don't sign this joiner to get this probate started with this estate and get this will properly recorded into Mississippi law, into the courts, you're going to have to get served a summons. And trust me when I say nobody wants to be served a summons because it is such a big time sink and it's such an unnecessary expense sink. If you guys you guys don't know what a summons is, basically, in this particular scenario with the estate, if someone refuses to cooperate in your family because all the inheritors have to cooperate in order to open a state, especially in Mississippi, I don't know about other states, um, and they require joiner documents and they refuse to sign it, you, the law firm usually has no choice but to serve a summons, which is basically a formal legalized document from the court that is served at the person's residence, um, you know, primary residence. In my, in one of my brother's cases, it was Virginia, right? And in that particular case, you know, you'd have to have a sheriff, a law enforcement officer, come up and serve it to you. And then you would have to show up in person, in court, to come decide, tell the, tell the courts, what, what issues you have with opening the estate, what issues you have probating it, or what issues you might have closing it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we have to kind of tell them, like, hey, here's a legal option. We are all doing what's required of us, and you're, you're the only one that's refusing to cooperate. And so that, that is the only time I've, I've had issues, and I, those resent – I think it res, it's all a bunch of resentment, and it's, it's like if they put you at a – it's easy for someone to critique when you're not an executor. You think it's just easy to stand and sit down, kick your legs back, and, and, and decide everything that's going to go on and be very, very highly scrutinizing. But, you know, from the executor's position, man, like, nobody prepares you to be an executor. There's so much tedious stuff you have to do in terms of paperwork, engaging with lawyers, engaging with companies, engaging with employers, reading contracts, reading documents, reading forms, understanding, you know, asking the right questions, and trying. It's, it's basically a second job. Even like filling taxes, nobody tells you you have to fill out your deceased person's taxes as one of the required tasks of running an estate. You have to you have to finish their taxes, and if you don't have access to all the financial information, or your your parent or your loved one didn't have a financial accountant, that's like a whole nother like line of work you have to do to kind of figure out, right? So, but yeah, that was the only time where I had any initial fights was when we first started trying to open it, which was a critical process, absolutely 100% critical and something I was dreading. It caused me a lot of anxiety. I was getting some panic attacks, and it's like, man, they're using, one of them is using this stuff against me to, to really try to just shit on me whenever possible, not even for the, for the sake of caring about, like, dealing with the mom or dealing with, dealing with the family, but it's just almost like punishment. Like, you're going to have to suffer, like, because you had it easy up to this point, you know? So, yeah, that, that's the only time I've had a fight. Other than that, it's been mostly good. My eldest brother was, like, was really a champion. I, I was really surprised because he really showed me his integrity. Honestly, he was really there for both myself and for my mom. He was trying to mediate at some point, too, because he realized, you know what, you know, it's not worth all this drama. And he at least felt some 
cultural connection of you know me being the eldest, I got to keep the family together. Even if even if I'm not legally recognized as the eldest, I got to figure out a way to keep the family together because you know it, it would suck to not be able to reconnect with any of my family anymore. This is also an opportunity for you for folks to reconnect with their family at some point to kind of bond and you know suffer together if if they approach it that way. And my eldest brother inherited a little tiny bit of like I, some sort of life insurance through my dad's employer. It's not deferred compensation, but it's something similar. And so he inherited like five to 15000 and then he left something related to a business checking account or something of that sort. And so he was like, okay, well, he gave me something to work with, presumably to take care of, take over this business, but I don't want to deal with the business, right? So he was much more cooperative and stuff. And so... Yeah, the only issue that I really had at this point was with my middle brother, but it to me it wasn't it wasn't about the estate. It was just very very extremely personal, and I could tell you when I end this this estate stuff over, you know, I don't want to have any contact with that with that individual because I mean he's got his life to worry about. He just got a baby, he's got a wife now. He doesn't have time. Uh, he's got his own life. He's got to live right now. That I'm in a different place in my life too. It's I don't need that stress and toxicity in my life, honestly. There's no point in doing that, and at some point, I wasn't even really close to him. Uh, you know, he he was the only person I could say that ever abused me uh, physically, emotionally, and verbally. So it's like I'm not I'm not beat up over not being in contact with him. You know, so like to me, it's kind of like a relief that I don't have to have as much contact with him. But uh, that shit can easily mess with your emotions. It takes one person to easily pluck all the stuff off for you. That's someone that has to run uh, the the shit. You know, run the show. You know, so. Yeah, that's why. That's what I got for you. Appreciate it. Uh, we got Shine uh, stepping up. Uh, appreciate you listening in. Um, if you had a testimony or you had some questions, feel free. Okay, I'll try to make it quick. So, as far as like the will and estate planning and all that, um, my dad passed away in 2000. I think I was probably like 17 at the time, and I have two older sisters. Um, one is six years apart from me, and one is uh, almost 10 years to the day older than me. So I didn't really have anything to do with that aspect. And also, of course, uh, my mom was involved. So um, with that being said, when you're that young, you don't know about these things. I feel like you do tend to uh, lose out on getting better information because several, several years after my father passed away, um, my middle sister, she had come to me and we were talking just about just different things and she felt that she was not included in the decision-making process of the funeral and whatever happened to any life insurance funds and just hearing her being hurt that she felt that she was not included or that her opinion wasn't valued by my our older sister or our mother, um, that you know definitely did have an impact on me and how I, you know, view people sometimes when it comes to sensitive things like that. Um, but now we just have our mom, and I know my mom has a will. I don't know about an estate, but I have no idea who is, um, like, responsible for that or who is going to be in charge, um, you know, unfortunately at the time of her, her passing. So how do I approach that with, my mom to say like, hey, you know, I want to know about this information without, I don't know, to me it kind of sounds like I'm being kind of creepy when I ask her that kind of stuff. 
So what would be the best way for me to bring it up to my mom? Because she's in her mid-70s, I think, give or take. Um, so I just want to know where things are, not necessarily to find out who's getting what, but I just want to, you know, be prepared um, for, for that. And then as far as myself, um, I don't have a will. I don't have an estate. So how would I start to get um, – where would I start? Need, where would I need to start looking for information like that, just so that way, again, in my passing, that things are going to be okay. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you, Shine, if you don't mind. Um, have you already? Yeah. Uh, have you already spoken to an agent of, about life insurance? Because from what I understand, do you have any dependents? No, it's just myself. It's just yourself. Okay. Um, do you have anybody that? Do you have anybody that you would want to uh, carry on, like even if you have any friends or relatives that you may want to help if you have an untimely passing? Uh, yeah, I do have a uh, like my sisters, and I do have a really good friend. And sorry, just a quick side note, like she's adding me to some of her beneficiaries. She's my friend, like she's not my blood sister, but I consider her like she's one of my blood sisters. Um, so I definitely do want to kind of get a head start and have stuff like that all ready to go. Okay. Uh, the the first thing that I would look into, because it will be the easiest, is I would definitely discuss life insurance with an agent. And um, this is something I did even when, uh, before I was married, because I did have some friends that I wanted, if things went south with me early in my life, I would want them to get a second chance because of what the what they went through. And the life insurance policy, because it's there and it helps put you in a place to where you can help anyone and you can adjust it quickly, as your family situation changes, you can adjust it to go to a spouse, other friends, uh, children, or whatever comes up. So that's something where it's easily workable and it immediately is going to give somebody a benefit. And the younger that you look into life insurance, the less expensive it is to be properly insured. And by that, I mean you actually have enough to where you can help someone with the financial burden that would be there if, for some reason, you, you passed away. Uh, and besides that, the, the best thing about a will or a trust would just to be to talk to an attorney and just be very open with what you have and what your goals are. So that way, the will or the truck, whatever product yeah. you end up using, you'll be able to you'll be able to assess it properly with the future planning. Because sometimes we think about what we have now, but we don't think about what we're trying to get. And what we're trying to get could have an impact on what would be the best tool for you, since we're gonna be we're gonna have this tool for the rest of our natural lives. So it's not necessarily something where today's fit could fit tomorrow, um, but you could probably get something that will. Uh, will help you plan out everything uh, to be a very smooth transition to whoever you want to benefit. Okay, not a problem. Yeah, sorry. Would you have any advice on how to speak to my mom about her situation? Because she's definitely yeah. a planner, and she definitely she's retired right now, so she's really done well as far as her retirement so far. So I just want to make sure that you know. I think everybody's going to have wonderful advice, so I'm going to, I'm going to defer to them. But the only thing I'll say is if 
she's already purchased the policy or she already has put a will in place, then she's already prepared to discuss with you that conversation of, at, at minimum, here's where everything is, here's the code to the safe, or here's the drawer that has all my documents. So that way you won't have to think once that happens, you'll know where to go so you can start getting to work. And just like Kevin said, the less things that you have to think about, it's like a fire drill. The less things that you have to think about, the more you'll be able to execute. And then that will actually put you in a place to where you can you can start your grieving sooner. Because being confused doesn't help with grief and having to deal with the state and probate longer than you need to doesn't help with grief either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Travis is correct. Uh, if your mother already has things like that in place, um, bringing the, bringing it up to her should not be an issue because she's already thought about it. Uh, it's already in her purview. So just one thing you could do if you have them is lead with examples of that didn't work out. Um, just to let her know that, hey, I'm, you know, it does. It, you don't even have to let me know where things are, but do you have at least three people in place that know where your information is? If if she has that in place, cool. If she doesn't, that's yeah. You want to? Um, I'm sorry. Did she have that in place or no? You said she had the life insurance, correct? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that she does. Um, a couple years ago, couple years ago, we did have a uh, conversation, but it was just like a quick one or two questions and that was just okay. really it because I, I felt uncomfortable talking to her about you know in her passing so I don't think it's necessarily something that she's uncomfortable with but um, at the same time it's just a weird conversation to have and I know that it's just because yeah. it's not a pleasant thing to talk about when I tell my clients you want to have this conversation while you still can because as hard as it is for you right now, it's going to be 10 times harder when we don't know where things are. And it's like a conversation like that is supposed to be uncomfortable. And that's OK. It's, it's OK for that conversation to be uncomfortable uh, because in the end. Everybody benefits from that conversation being had at the very least information is being passed if products aren't put in place. So, yeah, you definitely want to have that conversation. You want to embrace that uncomfortableness. It, it is what it is. Like, we, there's no way that we can get around that. Um, one, the, another way that you can, uh, you, can, you can have a lawyer present, you can have a life insurance agent present when, uh, when you're getting things in place for you, if that was uh, your intent. So there's a lot of ways you can do it. You can have someone else, you can have one of them talk to her about it. So it doesn't, you know, take the burden off of yourself. But if she has things in place, that's like 75 percent of the battle right there. Just make sure that at least two or three people know where things are. And we're good. Joe, uh, Joe talked about taking chances earlier. And, and that 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 uh, brought to mind one thing. Um, if you are not married. And you have assets. You want to get a will for the love of sweet Jesus. You want to get a will because none of that will necessarily go to 
your common law spouse. Uh, DMX, the rapper DMX, when he passed, his girlfriend of eight years got nothing. You have no, like, depending on the state, you have no laws. You have, you have no, um, you have no rights. You have no rights. And even if you do, it's still going to be shaky. It can still be contested. So, yeah, if you are, if you don't plan on getting married, at least have a will in place. If I can add to Kevin's comments, because I'm going to give you like a use case scenario. In the state of Virginia, they have a, they do have a law in place where if you have a, a spouse that passed away, specifically a spouse that passed away, mm -hmm. the real, they have uh, functions in place with mortgage companies, title companies, etc., to ensure that real estate property that that's not mentioned in a will probably or anything like that that they will it will be automatically inherited and le legally inherited by the surviving spouse yeah but like kevin like kevin said not all states have that and mississippi they definitely did not have that and so <laughs> when, when when he says write a will even a handwritten will even though it wasn't it still caused some headaches just having a, a plain it could be something written on a napkin, and it, it, it's better than nothing. It is absolutely better than nothing. For yourself, if you want to start practicing, you know, if you have certain policies or, or programs and benefits in place with your, uh, with your employer, for example, I have a death benefit. If, if something happens to me, like uh, in my line of work, and I, I pass away during the course of my duties, I have a death benefit in which the beneficiaries are going to, I specifically list out the beneficiaries and it's going to go automatically to whoever I listed as the beneficiaries. They just have to claim it. And that way it won't fall to the estate uh, at all. You don't have to deal with the estate because the beneficiaries are already named, right? I have furniture here in California uh, that I don't want my family to have to worry about figuring out how to sell and deal with. So I have a family friend here that's in California where I have I have like a handwritten copy of my will that I'm going to process at some point here, where it says, you know what, all of my personal belongings when it comes to my furniture here in California, that's going to go to my family friend and do whatever they want. They can sell it off, they can keep it, they can inherit, they can do whatever they want with it, right? There's layers to this that you can break it down easily if you just sit yeah. down, write a paper, and just layer it out. You know, I, my suggestion yeah. is just to think about that structure, think about your living circumstances, your financial circumstances for yourself, and just see how would you want to get it handled, whether it's through your family or whether it's like uh, close friends or loved ones or anything of that sort, and see how you want to just, how, how you would kind of break it up, how you kind of break it down. It's better to have something documented than having nothing documented. I tell, I'm telling you now, if I did not, if we, my family and I did not find that will, I would not be having, I would just be not around. I, I would be ghosting on everybody. Because, like, I, at, at that point, I would have no reason to talk with them. I don't want to hire a lawyer to deal with all that nonsense uh, outside of what uh, what potential life insurance stuff was, was found, right? I, I didn't want to deal with all that nonsense if we didn't have the will. I'd rather just have my brothers fight for, for all that nonsense. And then let them worry about figuring out how to take care of my mom since they were the eldest, right? When it comes to your mom, you have a good competitive – you have a good advantage now compared to before – because we have the COVID-19 environment, and a lot of a lot of people have lost loved ones to COVID-19, or COVID-19 accelerated certain sicknesses that that led to that kind of loss. 
you can easily come up with the story if, if you're that uncomfortable. You can easily come up with the story saying like, hey, I know a couple of folks who lost their family just recently, like, and, and they, they had to deal with all this stuff. Like, it just made me, it just got me to thinking, like, what, what do you have, right? And Kevin's right. It was an uncomfortable conversation that I had with my mom during the process. She, she wanted to have it, even though she didn't really want to deal with it. And her struggle was figuring out how to break the news if, if she had the opportunity to break the news to the rest of her sons. Even though she had that conversation with me ahead of time, you know, the COVID-19 really got her seriously thinking, like, I don't, I don't want to lose everything that my, because I'm a first-generation, uh, you know, we're a first-generation immigrant family. So I know my mom is also worried about my dad's legacy, not just his financial legacy, but his, his uh, career legacy when it comes to working at the university. So uh, she wanted to make she I know for certain she wanted to make sure she did not lose that capital. The, the capital, the family capital that my, my dad built for the past 40 years or so to just be gone away. So they're usually, if they already have something in place, Shine, they're usually, like Kevin said and like uh, Travis said, they're usually ready to, and willing to have that conversation. I think your concern would only be trying to influence unduly what kind of benefits she's giving out in terms of her assets. I think you just got to be cognizant of that fact that you're not trying to demand anything from her before she passes away. You're just trying to ensure that she has insurance literally in place for if something happens to her. And if you can delineate that topic, uh, if you can delineate that, that kind of boundary, and then you should be okay in that regard. Like, yeah, so you can just use situations and say like, hey, you know, this is what happened to folks that I know, like, do, do are we, it's our family prepared? Like, cause I, I'm worried about what's up. and. And honestly, if you're gonna get try to get some information, just find at least try to find out who's the executor too that she that she has in mind, and get if it's not you, honestly, you're you're probably better off. It's like like your feelings shouldn't be hurt if they don't leave you as executor. It's better, to me, my opinion is better to find out now than having having to find out after you your your loved one passes away. I wish I knew I was an executor years ago so that I could have taken my dad more seriously about those conversations he he had with me briefly, like. Oh, okay, you're gonna take care of this stuff. Oh, okay, Dad, sounds great. Here you go, Shine. Hey, Mom, I was on a uh, on a podcast and he's talking about estate planning. Do you have? <laughs> there you yep, go. pretty much. It, it play, <laughs> put put it on put it on Bluetooth speaker in the kitchen while y'all in there making cookies and stuff like that, and and be like, Hey, Mom. You remember that dude, Trey, I used to talk to back in the day? Yeah, so they were having, you know, blah, 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 and there you go. And I'm, I I also think, you know, be the, be the or set the example also. Um, as you start to get the things in order for yourself, um, you know, that'll be also easier, you know, for you to be able to like, well, yeah, I've been educating myself on this, you know, and these are a few of the things that I've done so far with you know the the little bit the 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 large amount that i have um and i wanted to bring this this to your attention to be like you know what i'm saying see if you had done it and also it could be a trickle effect because then you talk to your additional sisters you know what i'm saying and and eventually they have uh that conversation as well um, since yeah. you do got, you know, nieces and whatnot or nephews or whatnot out there, you want to make sure that they have things in, in place, uh, for them. Cause God forbid, and I'm not wishing this on anybody, you know, any one of your siblings pass and they have a child and then it's okay. Where does the child go? 
the state really the state really fucks with your family when it comes to stuff like that you would think yeah. it would be very simple uh nope. where it would just be immediate no it's not like i've i've actually been in court cases where the father had to battle the grandparents then after the grandparents won the grandparents had to fight the sister because then the sister brought out information in regards to the grandparents raising them incorrectly. Mm -hmm. It's a whole, a whole stupid, stupid little thing. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, like, so yeah, I mean, you could, you could set the tone by being the example yourself. Um, uh, obviously using this, you know what I'm saying? As a stepping stone to then whether it be through your job or doing so yourself, um, Primerica is is a prime example, and Primerica is pretty pretty big in uh in in the Midwest and whatnot. So yeah, why not? You know what I'm saying? Uh, speak to them and find out uh if if that would work in your favor in regards to uh, uh life insurance and things of that nature. Um, as you get as you go along the road, you funnel that information, you start to have that conversation and you funnel that information and and maybe just maybe, you know, you'll catch up to one another and then you can get your siblings on board and, and the family is is taken care of. But I, I I do tell you, I do suggest to you, you do not wait till you're quote unquote comfortable to have the conversation because you'll never be it's just like when people say oh you know i'm gonna have kids when i'm financially ready or whatever you'll never feel like you're financially ready because you're, you're taking trips or because gas is now five dollars a gallon and blah 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 like you get prepared you be prepared you know what i'm saying and and if you're not working to that you're never going to have the conversation you're just going to keep shelving it yeah the beautiful thing about all of that is it's the mindset you have, you got that mind you have you get the mindset first before you get the money and it only takes one generation to really change your bloodline's financial trajectory because what you do is you get used to saving even if it's like $25 a month it don't take it don't take a lot to form the habit you form the habit of putting $25 away every month every check however you however you can comfortably do it that's what I tell my clients what can you set aside comfortably for your family's financial future because it's not just life insurance life insurance is just a component of it and People think that there has to be some giant grand gesture to become financially independent, and it's not. It's over time. It's, it's steady, consistent habits over time. And with that, anybody can win if they are thinking of their family's future. They say wealthy people plan for generations, poor people plan for the weekend. That there's no lies in the, in those statements but once you start thinking about that once you start thinking about it and taking action to better your finances it gets easier and easier it gets super easy 
because you you've established the habits. You can't not put money away. You can't not, you know, you you look at your life insurance as a you don't look at it as a bill. You look at it as a benefit. Because if something happened to me, ice. If you see a if you see a GoFundMe for me when I pass, this is what I need you to do. And I tell everybody this. I need you to say you're gonna give them some money, but you gotta meet them in person. And then go to them and whoop their ass. <laughs> I knew I you were gonna say that. <laughs> brother, you know me. Like I tell the wife, you are you are my counterpart. You know me. Yoke them up. Whatever you gotta do, put the fear of Vishnu in them. Whatever you gotta do, because my wife is gonna be just fine without a GoFundMe. She's gonna be perfectly fine. And this is after you bury me, after the debt, the house is paid off. Uh if we got a if we got a new car, everything after everything's paid off, she's still fine. She's perfectly fine. So yeah, yoke them up. I appreciate it, brother. <laughs> On site. Out there's a book out there. I'm not sure if you all are aware of it, but it's called uh Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. Um, read it. I tell people all the time, this is this is just like, you know, uh the laws of power and stuff like that. I really suggest uh that book uh to people um to read uh because like I said in my my younger days and and blowing through money and and whatnot and not really understanding uh how detrimental that was to you know uh my future my my child's future and stuff like that mm -hmm. um yeah man like looking at it now there was a point in time where I was like 23 and I made like 55,000 that year and did nothing with it like yeah didn't have a house, you know what I'm saying? I had a little Nissan Sentra or whatnot, but that was pretty much it. And I could not tell you what I actually blew all that money on. But looking at 55000 a year right now, it's absurd. Like, it's people older than me who's never made that. And I made it and and blew it twice um yeah. so so yeah these uh so shine definitely uh hey you know start you know like everybody else google search all that good stuff but also start making those calls um uh and then uh as you start getting the ball rolling you you i think you'll start to to, to get more comfortable with with conversing with more knowledgeable people and everything like that and that'll that'll make you as you're 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 going through your uh journey you're eventually just going to be like yeah I'm, it's time to go talk to mom about this or what now you might not have all your ducks in a row but it'll be enough you know what i'm saying that you that you'll finally be like okay i, I need to go ahead and knock this out because mom ain't getting no younger either and and god forbid it'll be you know uh, anything uh, tragic and especially if you're not even around when it happens. We want to take the time to thank you all for listening thus far to tonight's show. We have now reached the hour and a half benchmark which will conclude part one of the estate planning episode. We hope you are enjoying yourselves and learning as you go but please upon completion of this audio scroll down for part number two and once again thank you for your time as well as your listening ear.